0: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. When the team that manages our Morris Jenkins website told me the most often asked question is, who is Mr. Jenkins married to? You could have knocked me over with a feather. I went home and told my wife that I was so surprised that I didn't know what to say. She laughed and said, honey, my name is Renee. So now you know. The team at Morris Jenkins and I are here for the Panthers, and we're here for you, too, whenever you need us.
2: It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Valboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryant.
3: That's right. It's that time of the week. It's the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins.
4: And Chris and Mr. Jenkins told me that the Panthers make him proud and he is honored to support the team. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, you call Morris Jenkins or visit morrisjenkins.com. Oh,
3: beautiful, as always. Miles, great to be here with my good buddies, Miles and Will. And um, guys, you know, it's it's different. Usually we come in and, and react to the game that happened on Sunday, but with the Panthers playing on Thursday night and, and losing to the Falcons, we thought we'd switch it up a little bit for this podcast we're at the the mid-season point they are three and five halfway through the season so uh will we said you know look, let's hand out some mid-season awards
2: a, a fun little activity to do <laughs> a fun
3: little activity you make it sound like it's a coloring book or something
2: <laughs> I, I mean we'll, we'll see at the fun end of little this whether, activity whether, we, that whether we enjoyed it
3: <laughs> fun little d- diverting distraction that you came up with here kristen yeah. Not like midseason
4: awards are super original,
3: but I, you know, try to go yes, with some fun that's, categories. That's
2: we need on this Wednesday morning.
4: <laughs> Look, well, I think as we get to the halfway point, what I think is interesting about this team is that it's kind of been a team of streaks, right? Oh, yeah. You, you go through the first couple weeks of the season, you're 0 2. Then Christian McCaffrey goes out, and he's been out for a while now, but we, it seems, if you read what way the wind is blowing, if you will, if you read uh, Miles'
3: articles on Panthers.com, yeah, it
4: seems like he is going to be back this yes. week against the Chiefs. So now, You've gone two and three, excuse me, three and three in the games without him to get to three and five. Mm-hmm. So there, it's interesting just where this team is, right? You, you lose two, you win three, you lose three. Well, you know this week's going to be tough, so we'll see what happens there. But then, as you get into the second half of the season, there is uh, some reason I think can, you can say for optimism in terms of what this team can do. But you have to be a little bit more consistent in certain areas.
3: And Matt Rule said that he said yeah. that's something that that we identified um, at this halfway point is that we want to be a more consistent team, not a team of streaks. And you know, like everything with this young team and a team that's uh, been dealt injuries and and COVID related issues, uh, just like a lot of other teams, uh, that's all gonna that's all gonna come. That's that's what they're working towards is right. consistency, experience, and uh, more wins. No doubt. All right, but let's get to it. The Happy Half Hour Mid Season Awards. Don't know if you could hear that. I was doing a little drum on the table. That was beautiful. Uh, thank you. Thank
4: you. Were you a drummer in <laughs> past life, a past life, No, or, I, play, I played the flute in the
3: middle school band, but that's oh, a story for, a, for another podcast. Um, first up in the Mid-Season Awards, position group you would most like to hang out with. Will, let's start with you.
2: Yes. I was hoping I get to go first because I get to steal the, the good one. Uh, the defensive line.
3: Oh, come on. Mm. I That's Exactly. That's mine. I knew I
2: was going to steal that. I,
3: I thought yeah. there was going to be another one that was going to come to the forefront first. So I thought I was going well, with the uh, less obvious one. Yeah. Okay. But, Will, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No. I know. I just jumped. I just yeah, like for... Kanye'd your uh, answer. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish, but... Beyonce
3: and the greatest video Zachary, of all time.
2: Brian Byrne. I mean, we've already seen those guys like in our in our, in our video series with them. They're obviously TV hilarious. Test. Check it and out. then you have like, you know, Weatherly, who, who's 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 really different and cool, the most interesting man in football. And then who doesn't want to hang out with F.A.? Like F.A. can just I'll go hang out in London with F.A. for a week and that'll be its own little thing. So yeah. And, and you're forgetting our guy
3: D B too. Derek Brown. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Derek Derek Brown, who who whose favorite animal is a lion, apparently. That's right. Despite playing Panthers in his life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Uh I, I think that's a, a great choice. Um that's also mine.
4: Uh but Miles, what's yours? I, I would say the safeties. I want to hang out with the safeties. Yeah. I, you know, Trey Boston, he's got so much energy. Who doesn't want to hang out with a guy like that? Are you
3: putting Jeremy Chin in that category, yes, even I though was, he plays? Yes. I, he, well, he's listed as a
4: safety, so you know what? I'm, I'm putting him in the category. I want to hang out with Jeremy Chin, too. He's fun. He likes to watch a lot of football. So do I. There's not much in my brain. I said this to somebody the other day. There's not much going on in my head except for, like, football and song lyrics. So, like Jeremy Chin also seems like you know we yeah. we'd, we'd vibe on that. Justin Burris also another guy that's pretty cool, man. Like they're Sam Franklin, you know. The more we get to know him, he's tons he, of energy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would like to hang out with the safeties. I think they'd be fun, or or the offensive linemen because you know what, offensive linemen and, and I was one in my past life in high school. Uh, they they know how to eat. Miles loves to break that. They, out. I know, I know. They lo- they know how to eat, they know how to drink, they know how to be merry. So I would also hang out with the OLS.
3: I, I like all of those. I really thought the obvious choice would be the wide receiver group. I I thought that would be it because they're just cool. And I would put Frisman Jackson, the wide receivers coach, okay. in there too. Um, I thought that would be someone's choice for sure. And I got to tell you guys a, a funny story. We aired this on the, the pregame um, show on Thursday night. I talked to DJ Moore last week, and I said, what's that What's that dynamic like with uh, you and Robbie and Curtis because not only are they all having uh, very good seasons on the field, they're just always together in practice. You always see ten, eleven, twelve uh, and you know, walking up to practice all that kind of stuff. And um, he said, you know, it's it's like Robbie's the oldest child, and he is super calm. and he makes sure that, you know, uh, the two of us are are all good. He's like, and Curtis is the middle child, and he's like, and i'm I'm the youngest. I, I like to annoy the both of them, and that, those are his words, not mine. <laughs> so I kind of thought that would be, and of course, you know, uh, Zilstra seems like a you know nice calming presence, a steady guy. Seems like uh, he's uh, fun to be around too. So I, I just think it's a good group. And then I'm putting Frisman Jackson there. I loved getting to talk to him in the off season. Um, and anyone that can command that room, I'm like, all right, yeah. go for it. So I, I really thought that would be a group that someone would pick. But I I went defensive line as well. Like Will said, we did the the teammate test with um with Brian Burns and Zach Kerr, and then. You know, of course, he's out for the year, but KK is uh, the best, so um, I'm I'm going to go D line too. All right, what's our next uh, What's our next category, Kristen? N- next up, and um, you know, we like to keep it l- loose and fun here on the Happy Half Hour podcast, presented by Morris Jenkins. But um, the team is three and five right now, and they've had some some close losses. So the next category is. Most gutting loss, the mm-hmm. one where you went, you know, and, and uh, Miles, I know you're a, a writer. Maybe that doesn't mean the same for you as a as a fan of the team. But the one where you went, oh, my gosh, they they had this one or they were so close. The, the loss that you think will uh, stay with the Panthers going forward.
4: Week one against uh, yeah. the Raiders, uh, honestly, because the way it flipped there in the second half and then in the fourth quarter where you had the lead— and then you allowed—I well, keep having to stop myself from saying Oakland. Mm-hmm. Well, I, wait, you did I, cover I, the team. I, I did. You did I, cover the Oakland And players. I know that this is a thing that's happening across the league. It's like when the Rams moved from St. Louis to L.A. Like, people keep calling them St. Louis. People are still calling the Chargers San Diego, so oh, yeah. it's going to take a little while. But anyway, when the Raiders of Las Vegas uh, went down the field and then they scored and then you, know, you had that fourth and one opportunity— and Alex Arma just doesn't get that one yard that you need. Um, I think that that loss was really tough, and you know it sets you up at 0 and 1, and then you go down to Tampa, and you 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 go into 0 and 2. And for, fortunately, the, the Panthers did recover from those things. Um, but yeah, I think you as good as the Raiders have been, and they are a good team right now. They look like they could be one of the seven playoff teams in the AFC. That's still a game where you come away thinking, man, you know, we were we were pretty close there.
3: And that's the thing about this team—you could say that in almost every game they've played, which is what makes. Uh it, it fun to watch this team and also it makes it a little heartbreaking. You know, they're, they're right there. Um, so Will, what's your uh, most gutting loss of the season
2: on the one hand, because we all know my feelings about Atlanta, <laughs> like that, you know, Will, and not there's some, re- <laughs> there's some recency bias there uh, of wanting, you know, that the, that taste is still kind of in your mouth at this point, because you haven't played another game. But it, I think the question is, you know, what, what feels worse, you know, almost beating a good team that's won the division a couple years in a row or losing to a team that's really struggling, you know, what, what feels worse, you know? And so I'll go with new Orleans, you know, you, you know, I, you might say, you know, there's too much time on the clock or what are you going to do with, but you know, all Teddy's just having this incredible game and you're going toe to toe with Drew Brees. You're feeling like, here we go. We're in field goal range and you're what inches away because of the sack and what would have been an NFL record to tie the game. And it's just, it's that close. Um, I I think when, when you see it, when it feels like you can literally see the ball that close to the crossbar, um, that that just feels gutting when you're trying to win that game on on the road in that place
3: All right. well uh, will and I are sharing a brainwave because that was also uh, mine it's actually yeah. what I thought of when I picked the category and I think it was that it was the the Joey Slyfield gold being so close mm-hmm. and being so close to to making history and just for him to be able to kick it that far that straight under that much pressure um in a game against the Saints. But it just being just a little bit of something that no one's ever done uh, in the NFL in a game. Um, and I mean, there was a second where I was like, oh, oh, it's it. In- oh, it's happened. This is happening. Yeah. And then just as Will said, inches. So oh. I, I'd put that one um, at the top for me as well.
4: Here's what I would say to that. And not to, you know, poo poo on what you guys are saying. But oh, it sounds like you're about if, to. I, I totally am. <laughs> because yeah, even if Joey Sly hits that field goal, the game's only tied. And they got it. And the defense had to stop Drew Brees. Yes. And they hadn't done yeah. it all day. That and is so, that if, is true, and there was plenty of time left on that clock. So, in all, they, if all they needed was a field goal, I don't know how the Panthers would have stopped Drew Brees that day in that offense, in Alvin Kamara, and like they just they hadn't done it. Let us have this. Sorry,
3: let us have this. week. What's
4: your next category,
0: Kristen? Uh
3: Next one is uh, biggest surprise or breakout star. So either a surprise moment or a surprise player. However, you want to take this. The floor is
4: yours, Miles. I'm going to go with Mike Davis. You know, and despite what everybody said about Mike Davis in training camp and there was a lot of praise heaped at Mike Davis in training camp, you don't know what you're really going to get from a guy like that when Christian McCaffrey goes out until he actually starts playing. And so when you saw what he started doing against the Buccaneers um, in that fourth quarter and he's just making catches and it seemed like the Bucs were just kind of letting him do what he was going to do um, on the uh, in the flat and on the outside there, look, it, it, it was like, all right, well, Mike Davis can at least catch the ball. We know that. And in the past, he's run it well. But then you start to see what he really can do once he gets the starters' reps. And in that three-game winning streak, he was a huge integral part of it. You think about the 149 yards from scrimmage that he had against Atlanta. I think that's really emblematic of it. So, yeah, Mike Davis, I think, has been a real pleasant surprise. And when Christian McCaffrey comes back, and again, it seems like it might be as soon as this week— it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Brady and that offensive staff develop a plan to keep Mike Davis involved.
3: I, I agree. I think that's a great one. And it's it's not just that he's come in and, and filled in for Christian McCaffrey. It's that I think we know so much about him and his style now. And I don't think we ever saw that at his past stops and whether that's you know not being given a chance or, or – um, him not having the opportunity, I, I don't know, but it's just we know now who Mike Davis is as a running back, who he is as a, a player and a teammate, and uh, I think that's great. That's something that we we couldn't have said uh, even just going into week three, yeah. and so I, I think it's great for for Mike Davis, and certainly the the Panthers are happy that they they have him here. Uh, Will, what about you? Biggest surprise or breakout star?
2: I think Robbie Anderson has to be mentioned at some point because no one no one knew this was coming. And there's still obviously half of the season to go, but the Panthers haven't had a top five NFL receiver in a very long time. It's, it's been years since you had a top flight receiver. And that's what Robbie is doing right now in this league is someone that is not just a deep threat, but is an every down receiver, that's a volume receiver. That's a go-to guy. Um, He's, he's doing that. You know, I, we'd like to see some more touchdowns from him kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, in these last several games, for, for sure um but it, I don't think anyone expected that when he was signed uh, last year you know I, I I'll give a little bit of a honorable mention to Curtis as well because I think there's a lot of talk uh, around the draft about you know potential trades and all these things and is you know you know where does Curtis really land in this offense and I think that he's really shown that you know he's he has a very important and specific role especially with Christian out um you know and obviously they missed him when he didn't play and he's stepped up when he has played, uh, but I'll still go with Robbie Anderson.
3: Yeah, I, Robbie Anderson was my honorable mention, if you will. I'm going to go with, with Jeremy Chin uh, okay. because I think it's weird even now, we're eight games in, to think the Panthers got them, got him where they got him in the draft. It mm-hmm. just seems just like an incredible move that all these other teams passed over him, um, and the Panthers were able to identify this coming out of Southern Illinois, and, and – you know, around the draft, Panthers fans really wanted Isaiah Simmons. And, and and Jeremy Chin is what you were hoping Isaiah Simmons could be with that versatility. And they got uh Derek Brown in the first round too. Yep.
4: Um and each Gross matos in the second as well, which we haven't seen a lot of due to injury and whatnot, but he has had a couple plays where he's flashed. Absolutely.
3: Um so I, I gotta go with, with Jeremy Chin, um, you know, defensive rookie of the month for the month of October. We even saw the the fake punt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um so I, I just um I, I think that's my, my breakout star I would say of the first half. But again, it's he's he's been so good since the beginning. It's almost weird to say that, but I think if you think before the season They were just just unknowns about about how he was going to pan out, if he was going to live up to these expectations, live up to the hype, and I I think he's doing it.
4: Well, especially because there was no off-season program. You know, he didn't get to be in the building until late July. And so when something like that happens, despite what you know about a guy from scouting him and all these different things, you don't necessarily know how it's going to pan out until he's actually on the field. And you brought up the Isaiah Simmons comp. Well, what Jeremy Chin is doing right now, he's, he's playing. You know, you look at what Isaiah Simmons is doing over there in Arizona. He's really not been on the field all that much, and I don't have the numbers up right in front of me at this particular moment. But if you just look at it from that standpoint, you can see Jeremy Chin really contributing to this defense on a down-to-down basis. He's all over the field. He is everywhere. He is exactly what the Panthers wanted when they traded up to draft him. And I think you can't feel anything but encouraged about his performance.
3: And just to boot, just the nicest guy, Great uh, just hardworking, um, just humble. I mean, like you said, it's, he's got like football and music in his brain, it feels like. And that's about it. I had a chance to talk with him and we surprised him with uh, a visit from his mom virtually right before the Thursday night game. And just hearing the two of them talk, um, how excited she was for him to play in prime time. It, it was just really cool. And, you know, he's someone that has been a surprise throughout his entire uh, football journey mm-hmm. to this point uh, barely had any offers going into to SIU at the point where his mom said you know I'll, I'll help you pay for your education I'll do what I can we can take out student loans and he said nope I'm going to get a scholarship so to go from that and then um, SIU and then not being the the highest touted the guy coming right yes yeah. coming into the draft um, although there was buzz it's just uh, it's just incredible to see uh, what he's doing so far. All right, next up, most memorable moment of the first half of the season. Will, you want to kick us off?
2: Sure. For For me, it was a moment that was almost disastrous and then glorious, and that was the last play of the Chargers game because mm-hmm. you, you're going into that, and it's like, we really need a win. There's no Christian McCaffrey And here we have a chance against, you know, a team that, you know, at the time, you know, felt like this could be a really big win. And oh my goodness, like if you make that hook and ladder pitch, that thing is wide open. And just to watch that thing develop in real time. And then, oh my God, thank goodness you dropped it. (laughs) Like just, that was, that was a moment, you know, there, there aren't that many moments where you really get the, literally the game decided on the very final play. And to have that happen was, was you know, heart pounding. So I'll, I'll go with that one. That's
4: a good one because uh, I had that on my list, too. So I'm glad I also put another one on my list, which was the Teddy Bridgewater touchdown run mm. where he was able to, you know, shake and bake a little bit, get a couple guys, uh, you know, to break their ankles as he was running into the end zone. And again, it was something where. We in the media maybe made a bit of more of a narrative of it than he did, but I do think that it was representative of something, even if he won't say it. Um, that now he is a starting quarterback in the NFL again. Now he is all the way back five years, basically, after he last was. So I thought that that was a really good play, and I thought it was really symbolic of what Teddy Bridgewater can do. What about you, Kristen?
3: I'm going to go not a play in a game, but I, I'm going to go back to week one, what's that bear doing? I just think it's <laughs> – I, I mean, there are plenty of plays exactly to choose sure. from. You guys had uh, two great ones, um, and I could go in a number of different directions. But I just think – I don't know. It just it's such a fun – one moment it's been something that has lasted through the entire first half of the season and then to i think you know it also adds to it because of the way Robbie has played yes. and and Will was talking about that or the way that this offense um has looked in most games where and you know and it's it's that it's it's Robbie showing his personality introducing himself to Panthers fans introducing himself on the field to Panthers fans and then also one thing i love about that um is it's just that he's with curtis and dj which is another thing that we talked about about this this first half of the season the relationship that those three receivers have together and that's who he's talking to and you know it's love for our guy serper um so that's it's probably my most memorable moment so you far call him that it's his name <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> all right great. last one um either uh, something to keep an eye on in the second half of the season or a player to watch in the second half of the season. Will, I took this from you when we did our quarter poll awards where you said, look, I think we got to talk about what are we looking for going forward. So as we turn the page to the second half of the season, what's what's something that everyone should keep an eye on, Will?
2: I want to see what Teddy Bridgewater can do in the Fourth quarter to be able to win in the NFL. I think he would say this. I mean, I think he did say this at the end of the, the Thursday night game. You have to win in the fourth quarter. You have to win probably on your last drive. You've got to be able to execute in those moments. And we need to see that happen for this team to start getting wins. They're good enough to win the games, but they're going to need some big plays from this offense and they're going to need it from Teddy, especially. I mean, everybody, but it gets put on the quarterback rightly or wrongly. It gets put on the quarterback in the fourth quarter. And I I think that that's what I'm looking to see how that will be coming forward. I mean, obviously it's some tough games, but some winnable games too. Um, And we we need, they're all going to be close and we need to see how Teddy handles that.
4: I think that's, I think that's a good point. Will. I I think that you're right in that we got to see how this offense in particular Bridgewater can start handling things in the fourth quarter going forward, because look at the end of these games, there have been interceptions, and that's one place where Bridgewater just has not been able to thrive is at the end of games. So I I think that he's definitely one guy to watch in the second half. Um, One guy I would point out would be Curtis Samuel, and that's how does he continue to make himself such a valuable player in this offense, and – He's done so well on third down, and that's a critical down. But I think you want to get a little bit more production out of first and second down as well. And yes, they've done that in some ways. Obviously, he caught that flea flicker touchdown um, in that Thursday night game. That was a first down play. But at the same time, I think he's somebody who has shown that he can be a dynamic offensive player. And a lot of these balls that are going to wide receivers have gone to DJ Moore and to Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is having the best season of his career. So that's, that's one thing. And then Christian McCaffrey is going to come back too. and there's only one ball that can get (laughs) thrown around. Right. So I think Curtis Samuel is definitely going to be somebody to watch because look, how is he going to really develop as a player in this second half of the season? He's going into a a contract year, right? This is a contract year. So, how is all that going to turn out? I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh,
3: the thing I'll be watching in the second half of the season is the the steps um, or or lack thereof, but I think there will be steps that this defense, this very very young defense can take as they continue to develop. Can they can they get off the field when it matters? Can they improve on third down? Um, will, what was the stat? They've only forced one punt in the last two games?
2: Yep, and that was the very last drive of the Atlanta game. Is that will's stat of the week? <laughs> I have another one but sure.
3: <laughs> so they only forced one punt in the in the last two games. Yep. You know, and at one point I I looked up and i told Will this after the game on Thursday. And uh there were six rookies playing on mm-hmm. on defense. And that's that's out of necessity and I think that uh we'll see that defense uh, improve in the second half of the season both because uh, those guys are going to get more experience um, and they're going to be put in situations that they can learn from. I think they already have been, but but also because uh, other guys will be getting healthy. So Russell Douglas has been activated off the COVID re- reserve list for this Kansas City game. Um, Justin Burris, we expect to to be back uh, from IR shortly, sooner rather than later, I would think. Um, and, uh, and And more of the same there. So I think that it's been a learning curve for this defense, and these rookies have been put in, um, in some big situations and, and are doing the best they can with a, with a lack of experience. And so I think it, it will only get better from
4: here. I, I agree with that. The best is yet to come for sure.
3: All right, let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be back with more.
1: Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. When the team that manages our Morris Jenkins website told me the most often asked question is, who is Mr. Jenkins married to? You could have knocked me over with a feather. I went home and told my wife that I was so surprised that I didn't know what to say. She laughed and said, honey, my name is Renee. So now you know. The team at Morris Jenkins and I are here for the Panthers, and we're here for you, too, whenever you need us.
3: All right, Will, you teased it. It's time for it. What's your stat of the week?
1: 60% of the time, it works every time. Stat of the
2: week. So this one is going to lead into our next little segment here, but Carolina plays the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champs this week on the road. I've heard of them. And it marks the 20th time in what will be the 26th season that Carolina has played the reigning Super Bowl champs. Carolina is 8 and 11 in those games, but in the last 2 at New England in 2017 and at Philadelphia in 2018 both huge, dramatic fourth quarter victories.
3: I like where you're going with that stat, Will. Great stat. I'm just going
2: to leave it. Right, I'm going to leave it right there.
4: <laughs> there
3: go. I like it. That's uh, Will Stat of the Week on the Happy Half Hour podcast, presented by Morris Jenkins.
4: And Mr. Jenkins told me that he loves football and he looks forward to this show all week. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up you call Morris Jenkins or visit MorrisJenkins.com.
3: Alright, let's let's uh, let's look ahead to that Kansas City game that's coming up on Sunday as Will said. Uh, if the stats tell us anything, there's a, definitely a possibility there for, for a Panthers win but it's it's going to be tough, Miles. Well, look,
4: I, I cannot tell you how big it is that Rasul Douglas is back this yeah. week because we saw what happened with a really good offense in New Orleans um, when Rasul Douglas is not on the field and, you know, something we don't know how Dante Jackson's toe is going to react cuz so that thing acts up all the time and it's it's such an unfortunate thing because he is playing really well. Yes. He he, when he's able to yeah. be out there on the field but with a turf toe injury it is just so unpredictable and you just you cut the wrong way you turn the wrong way and that thing flares up and it's really really painful and especially as a cornerback it's so hard to play through. So, you know, a, a lot of respect for Dante Jackson for what he's been able to do when he's been on the field, but I'll tell you this. Having Rasul Douglas back is, like I said, it's very critical just because of all of the Chiefs' weapons that they have. They can go down the field and they can score in so many different ways, whether it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire you know, running the ball. Now they've got Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell as well who can run the ball. Those guys can catch the ball out of the backfield. Patrick Mahomes had over 400 yards and five passing touchdowns last week. They've got Travis Kelsey. They've got Kareem Hunt. They've got Robinson. They've got Nicole Hardman. Sammy Watkins might be all coming All right, back. Miles. I- I'm just kidding. I'm just well. That's what I'm you know, saying, I, I, you know. Exactly. So w- when it comes to this, like this is, if you don't have your secondary guys back there, that makes it really, really, really tough. Yeah.
3: Uh, certainly glad that that Russell Douglas is is back, is is healthy, and uh, as far as we know, we'll we'll be playing in this game, and and will in my mind, you know. I don't think this is saying anything um, <laughs> dramatic or anything like that, but you look at the schedule at the beginning of the season, and to me, this is game three of by far the toughest four game stretch um, that the Panthers have. So, you know, it was Saints, then you turn around and play. It was, you know, at, at New Orleans, and you turn around and play on a Thursday night against the Falcons. Then you go to Kansas City. And then the following week um, is against Tom Brady, the, the rematch with Tampa Bay.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously this is a tough stretch, but, you know, I was looking at Kansas City, and they actually, so far, they've had the third easiest schedule mm. in the NFL, which isn't to take anything away from how good they are, because they're really good. And these stats are legit. But they've played the third easiest schedule as the reigning Super Bowl champs, and Carolina's played maybe a top 10 hard schedule. I mean, Arizona is good. Las Vegas, or, yeah. Las Vegas. Yes, they're, you got it. You not, got it. They're not Before bad. I, I almost said Oakland. Yeah, but you know, obviously, they've already played the Saints. They have played the Bucks. They got to play the Bucks again. Um, you know, they're they've played a tough schedule with a team that's young. And you know, hopefully, it, as Matt Rule has said, hopefully that they're they're playing their best football in December, and that's what they want to do. Whether or not that means they have an overall record that puts them in playoff contention, they want to be playing their best football in December. And you want to kind of just, you, you got to make it through this stretch right now. Mm-hmm. If you can make it through this stretch, continue to be competitive. Uh, you know, obviously you want to win on Sunday. You want to win against the Bucks. But if you can stay together and really, really play well and keep getting better, um, I, I think that's a huge, that's a huge stepping stone. You know, we're, we're not the coaches. We're not on the team. We, we get to say things that, you know, maybe – they wouldn't say, or they wouldn't want to admit because it's our own opinion. But you know, I, I think that's, that's where I would assess them.
3: Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. This, this team has been battle tested and Willie brought up a great point with the, with the schedule uh, and they've been in every game. Yeah. And um, I have no reason to believe that that will be different in this one just because of the fight this team has. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. Um, Now, here's a question I have. This is an honest question, and I know that maybe none of us have the answer to this because these are strange times. But Kansas City allows, I think, 16,000, 17,000 fans. It's, uh, I think, 22% capacity. And if I'm not mistaken, they've allowed that many from that first game when they played on Thursday night.
4: I believe you're right, yes. I can
3: hear them. You can hear them, um, at least coming through the TV. But obviously, it's not anywhere near a normal uh, Arrowhead, full-sounding stadium. Does that affect you? This is the biggest crowd that that they will see. Um, does that come into the way you think about, you know, your communication on offense at this point, or are we still, okay, 17,000 fans?
4: You know, I, that's an interesting question. I don't think it's going to be enough to really make you go silent count as you would have to in a normal day at Arrowhead. Um, and I, I've been doing I, I agree. a few games yeah. there, you know, where it is really, really, really loud. Um, and it, it it does. It affects the QB. It, it affects the way the offense can communicate. So I don't think it'll be that. But I think, yeah, you might be able to feel a little bit more energy from the crowd because you have more people there. But I don't know that it will really make you have to go silent count as you would normally.
3: Yeah, I agree. I just, you know, it's just so hard to get a gauge on in this time where there are very little fans or, or no fans in certain places. When does it, if at all, become a factor? But it is right. I triple the crowd that... Um, that the Panthers have seen at all. So uh, we'll see if that makes any difference at all. Uh, And then something to look forward to in the game after Kansas city, when Tampa Bay comes to town, if the Panthers get a third down stop in the third quarter during a home game, which that will be one lucky fan will uh, win a smart home, smoke and carbon monoxide detector through the Morris Jenkins Protect and Check sweepstakes. If the Panthers get a fourth down stop in the fourth quarter, that same fan will also be going home with a $1,500 gift card. So be sure to check out contests.panthers.com for more details on how you can enter. Just want you to plan ahead for that. All right, it is time for our weird question of the week. And look, we we know what this one is going to be. In honor of the Panthers going to Kansas City, What's the best type of barbecue? Miles, you're on the hot seat for this one.
4: I I, Seriously, I will tell you this. I was walking up the stairs in the parking garage in my uh, apartment complex the other day, and I was thinking, man, for the weird question of the week, we should uh, just go with, you know, what is the best type of barbecue in the United States, and why is it Kansas City? Because (laughs) it just is. Like, Kansas City kicks everybody's butt in barbecue. I will fight you all. On this. I know that wow, this is a it's Carolina Panthers right podcast, but I don't care. I am staunchly in this camp. They do pulled pork better than anybody else. They do uh, the burnt ends. Oh, my goodness. Burn if you go, if yeah. you go to Q39 or Arthur Bryant's, you get some burnt ends and they just melt in your mouth like meat marshmallows. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> Gates' Marsh- barbecue <laughs> sauce. Are you kidding me? That extra hot. Oh, yeah. Kansas City, hands down. I- Sorry, guys.
3: I. No, look. No apologies needed, except for using the phrase "meat marshmallows." Ooh, it is beautiful, and
4: I again, I will fight you on this. Meat,
3: mar- yeah, you said that two or three times. I'm starting to think, like, do I need to, you know, step away verbally?
4: No.
3: <laughs> I'm still just hung up on meat marshmallows. That's the that's the real takeaway from me here. Uh, will, what say you?
2: It, I mean, I'm not trying to get in a fight. Like Miles is ready the, to go. Strong- I, I will I will say this. I'm glad that I can at least say that I've had Kansas City barbecue because prior to – I think I had it first two years ago, and I did have the burnt ends, and they were different than anything I've ever had, which were they is meat, pretty cool. Would you call like, them
3: meat marshmallows that melted I would in your never mouth?
2: call anything meat marshmallows. Thank like, you. <laughs> I'm just never going to use that, that phrase. But, no, the burnt ends were very unique, very good. I enjoyed them. That's good. I'm glad I enjoyed them. I still have to rep South Carolina barbecue. Like I'm still going to rep the mustard. I'm going to rep, uh, rep the full, the full, uh, pork being roasted the full thing all the way. Well, I don't know what the term they use for it, but you know, the pulled pork, uh, it, you know, South Carolina mustard, I was raised on it. I will always rep it. That's, that's my answer. That's cute.
3: I've never had the Kansas City. I've had you know the style of of barbecue, but I've never been to Kansas City and gotten to to try the the meat marshmallows that melt in your mouth. Um, <laughs> but uh, I gotta go. I gotta rep you know my my home um, region too, and I just I love the vine- vinegar based Eastern North Carolina barbecue. I yeah. just oh the the vinegar based is is so much better than the other sauces, in my
4: opinion. Got to have gotta have the thickness. Sorry.
3: Mm-mm. Nope. Matt, strong opinion from you on?
5: I haven't had Kansas City barbecue either, so I guess whatever I say, there should be an asterisk attached to it. But I would say the best barbecue I've ever had is always in Alabama. So I don't know hmm. what style that is. I don't know if that's Memphis or Alabama or whatever you want to call it. But... Um, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, there's a place called Dreamland barbecue. It is easily the it's, best ribs yeah. I've I ever had my actually, entire life. Yeah,
2: that, I've been there too. Uh, wow. I'm
5: the only one. Very good. Yeah, I gotta make a trip down to Tuscaloosa. My dad orders them frozen. They're not as good, but he'll order them frozen from Alabama And we'll, we'll eat those on football Saturdays growing up And then the best barbecue sandwich I ever had I was driving through Greenville, Alabama We stopped at a gas station and it was a half gas station half Cruddy looking barbecue joint, and I didn't want to get it, but I did, and it was the best sandwich oh, I I've believe ever had. That. So I
4: absolutely believe. So that. I would
5: say Alabama for me.
4: Oh, you know, God. I've had some really good barbecue in Mobile as well for mm. the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, Alabama is a better entry than Carolina. Sorry. I
0: <laughs> Whoa.
5: <laughs> I do like the Carolina barbecue, but I I'm not a vinegar guy. I'm more of a tomato based. Me too. Guy.
3: Well, I'm I'm sorry for both of you. <laughs> uh, Will, I can't believe the disrespect we're hearing from. Uh, from these two, but, uh, you know, we'll deal with it. I mean, it. if you want,
2: I can I can jump on and say I hate vinegar-based, too. What? If you want to completely jump on Kristen. What? Yeah, no, bra, bra, bra. I, I don't you're do
1: vinegar-based.
3: What? Well, you're all missing out. More for me. All
1: go. right, that's okay. going to
3: do it for uh, for this edition of the Happy Half Hour podcast. You guys are all wrong. I'm right. We'll see you next week.